Welcome to the first ever Future of Fusion podcast. My name is Brandon Tenney and I'll be your host. Uh, For this interview, I sat down with my boss, Ian Horvath, and talked to him about the Tri-Alpha Energy Experiment. Um, It's super exciting that him and his team were able to accomplish this. Just to give you some context before the interview, basically this this experiment itself isn't actually the main goal of Future Fusion as a business, as an energy company. Um, But why they conducted it was to test to make sure that their equipment and all of their uh, calculations were correct just to run the equipment and make sure that it was working right. Now what makes this amazing, the Tri-Alpha experiment itself is, is super, super rad because theoretically, having pulled this off successfully, using one ounce of Silly Putty and using the boron inside it, you can successfully power the average American household for about 10 years, which is phenomenal. It's huge breakthrough in the energy field and the clean energy field, totally clean experiment. And it's not even our main goal as a company. We're actually pursuing a different type of clean fusion energy, but we can't really go into much detail about that because we don't yet have the IP. Um, But once we do, we'll go into more detail about that. Um, So I sat down with Ian and I asked him about this and asked him how we were able to achieve this. The thing you're going to hear us talk about that I think is super cool about this as well is other people are pursuing the same reaction right now. Uh, Most notably, there's a company literally called Tri-Alpha Energy, and they've been around since 1998. They have about half a billion dollars in investment, and for 20 years, they still have not yet successfully conducted this experiment. And Ian and his team were able to achieve this experiment and do it successfully using a fraction of that money with just a small team, and it's not even our main goal. So I don't want to be bashing our competition too much, but it is the private sector, and it's just phenomenal that they are able to achieve this. So uh, enjoy. So Tri Alpha, tell me about that. Uh, so Tri Alpha is uh, what's known as an aneutronic nuclear fusion reaction, and there's a lot of people that are investing a lot of time into it right now because uh, it has a lot of energy in it. So and everybody knows like nuclear fusion. It's like if we get to nuclear fusion. We're talking about unlimited clean energy forever. Uh, the tri-alpha reaction happens to be a particularly very clean type of nuclear fusion reaction. It's actually uh, 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 doesn't produce any like off-putting radiation. Its primary byproduct is helium. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it's like about 99.99 plus percent helium is all they get coming off. Uh, so it's a, a lot of people are looking at that like, hey, you know, this is something that we could use. You know, maybe we should instead of exploring these other type of fusion ideas, let's look at the tri-alpha reaction because we can get a lot of energy out of this as well, and it's even better than the standard heavy hydrogen isotope fusion that we usually do. Is that the one that's currently in use right now? Yeah, most of what we're doing right now is going is uh, what's called a deuterium-tritium fusion reaction. Uh, it also produces helium, uh, but it also can produce uh, uh, very high-energy neutrons as well. Um, uh, frankly, I don't think that it's that big of a deal to have the neutrons. In fact, I think it's actually a good thing because those neutrons are useful for dealing with other things. Uh, but I understand where uh, a lot of these guys are coming from as far as the tri-alpha reaction because it's a neutronic because it doesn't produce this neutron. It's not. Uh, it's much easier to deal with. So, uh, like, if anytime you have neutrons, uh, there's uh, techniques that we have to absorb them. Uh, excuse me, to absorb them and to create more energy. We can uh, use them for other things, but you do add a layer of complexity to your reactor when you do so. 
so the idea that a lot of these uh, uh, private companies and also a lot of scientists have these days is like, okay, we can do this tri-alpha reaction and we can reduce the complexity of the reactor. Now, there's a problem with that, though. Uh, uh, by reducing the complexity of the reactor, this reaction requires hotter temperatures than the standard fusion reaction. Mm -hmm. So you literally need an order of magnitude increase in the temperatures to uh, achieve the reaction. What do you mean when you say order of magnitude? Uh, 10 times as much. Okay. So yeah, so. the temperatures would literally be 10 times hotter okay. in order to drive these reactions. So yeah, we're, scientists love to speak in orders of magnitude. Mm -hmm. you know, it's a, you know, cause it's a, cause a lot of things we deal with, uh, the numbers are so large. Yeah. It's like, you know, so it's like everything's multiples of 10. It's just easier to talk about these totally. things. Totally. So this isn't a new thing that you discovered. Other people are pursuing this, correct? Yeah. So uh, as far as the scientific community goes, mm -hmm. the trialpha reaction has been known for decades. Uh, uh, scientists have been uh, doing this experiment uh, for a very long time. Uh, what you have right now is several uh, uh, private companies that are now showing an interest. These are private fusion research companies, the biggest of which is trialpha energy. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, it's called Trialpha. Uh, 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 this reaction is Trialpha. The company's name is Trialpha, uh, basically because uh, when you what they're doing is they're taking boron and they're taking hydrogen, they smash them together, and it creates a carbon atom that can't hold itself together because there's so much energy in the reaction it blows itself apart into three helium atoms, which in nuclear science we call alpha particles. Mm -hmm. Hence the name Trialpha. And uh, so these companies are investing a lot of money and then trying to get these reactions to go. Uh, Trialpha Energy has been working on uh, building uh, fusion reactors that can run this reaction uh, since uh, 1998. Uh, in, in fact, I think they just had their 20th anniversary uh, just a few days ago. So you said they've been running this experiment for a while, but it hasn't netted an energy output kind of a thing. Is that why? They haven't even gotten the fusion reaction to go yet. Oh. Uh, so you got to keep in mind, it's 10 times the temperature. Fusion's hard to do. Yeah. Um, and then if you move into a special class of fusion where it, you need 10 times the temperature, it means it's 100 times more difficult to do the reaction. Yeah. A tenfold increase in, in temperature doesn't mean it's 10 times harder. It's so much harder to get to that point because oh, okay. it's, it's, it's much more difficult to do. Is it just because the molecules all start to behave differently? Yeah, the they move super fast. More the equipment falls apart. The containment gets much more difficult. So, you know, it's a, these things are in a plasma state. Yeah. And so trying to contain that plasma is really hard to do. It's in the hot. So you can think of a temperature. Actually, think of what it really is, is uh, temperature is just how fast the atoms inside the system are moving. Yeah. So like a cold room in the air, you know, the atoms are moving pretty slowly In a hot room. They're moving fast. So like that's why you feel hot because atoms are literally bouncing off of your skin. And so it's like, OK, that, you know, this room feels warm because you have that energy from the air that's getting into your skin. So a plasma that's at you know hundreds of millions of degrees Celsius is moving insanely fast. Yeah. Uh, th these uh, these atoms are moving so quick they're they're actually what are called relativistic particles. They're actually moving at a fraction of the, a noticeable fraction of the speed of light. So trying to contain this uh, requires it's very hard to do. So companies like Trialpha they've been focusing a lot of their efforts on to uh, plasma confinement. So they make this hot super hot plasma and then they're like well how do we keep this thing from blowing itself apart? And so they're trying to use basically uh, 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 certain physical properties that have been known for about 200 years now, thanks to a, a really smart guy called Michael Faraday, where basically a moving charged particle generates a magnetic field. And so 
Trialpha is basically trying to figure out how to use the moving charged particles in the plasma to basically become somewhat self-confining and uh, to take advantage of that. And it's super tricky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but also the reaction itself is also hard to do. And the other issue that you have is it's like even if you manage to do these fusion reactions, the, uh, uh, doing fusion is really hard, but something that's significantly more difficult is measuring it. It's very hard to measure fusion reactions. That's actually a bigger task than getting the fusion reactions to go in the first place. Uh, why is that? I mean, I guess that's, that could be a whole other podcast. Why is it? And, yeah. and that's the way nature does it. But that's yeah. also what makes it so ideal. Mm-hmm. So if you have a, a nuclear reaction, uh, uh, the way how you measure it is, is by measuring the radiation that comes off. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the reason why fusion is hard to measure is because there's so little radiation coming off of it. Mm-hmm. That, that's what makes it so good. That's why we want it. it so it's like this double-edged sword. It's the reason you like it is the very same reason it's so hard, so to, hard measure. to measure. Yeah, okay. super-duper hard. And the reaction itself is hard to do in the first place, but mm-hmm. then measuring it makes it it's much much more difficult orders of magnitude <laughs> more difficult <laughs> i think that should be the title of the podcast yeah there orders you go. of magnitude orders of magnitude yeah <laughs> oh it's it's a you know it's a well it's something that uh, i think a lot of people have familiarity with yeah it. I, I didn't want to segue uh, too much on you but basically so trialpha has been working on uh the uh, boron hydrogen fusion reaction the trialpha reaction and uh you know 20 years in they've learned a great deal uh, but the company still has yet to actually get that reaction to go. They, they, Is this publicly known, or do they make it sound like they have? Well, uh, they're... i got to be careful here, because... <laughs> uh, granted, they're a competitor, so it's... Yeah. Uh, uh, and we're in the private sector. We can we're in the private talk. sector, so we can bash them a little bit. <laughs> um, they do have a focus on the plasma fusion, mm-hmm. uh, on, on, on containing the plasma, and they have some interesting ideas on it. But at the same time, too... If you are a nuclear fusion research company, I think that your first priority is to actually do nuclear fusion. Uh, And then you work on everything else coming afterwards. I think that uh, with 20 years and half a billion dollars, that reaction should have been done some time ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, uh, their investors clearly are okay with them taking the path that they're taking because they have raised half a billion dollars. Um, I don't know how many of them know whether or not Trialpha has actually done the Trialpha reaction or not. Uh, they do have some uh, very smart people over there they, uh, that know their fields of science extremely well. Uh, but, you know, we still did in a couple of months for a couple thousand dollars what they haven't done in 20 years. So, yeah, tell me that story. Tell me uh, why you, why we as like Future Fusion, Tritium Fusion Technologies dipped our toes into that water. Well, uh, we are a nuclear fusion research company. Mm-hmm. So our number one priority after opening up our doors is to do nuclear fusion and to do nuclear fusion research. Uh, so one of the things, we work with the local university quite a bit. Uh, so we rent out lab space from them. And uh, one of the things that we need to do is uh, make modifications to what's called their proton beam line. And so uh, protons is nothing more than, it's hydrogen. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we were looking at it, it's like, well, we're modifying this beam line anyway. We need um, uh, to test it. So it's like when Elon Musk launched the Falcon Heavy and he put his car into outer space. You know, he needed that dummy load on that rocket to just, you know, just to show like, okay, we got this thing going. So we needed our dummy load. And uh, so we uh, thought about it for a bit. And uh, then uh, someone suggested like, well, why don't we go for the tri-alpha reaction? 
Uh, and uh, so it's like, yeah, I think we can do that. So we did some calculations on it, and it looked like we'd be able to do it. We we figured out a couple. Wait, of so this ways. was just to test our equipment, or just to- yeah, it's to test the modifications that we made to uh, ASU's particle accelerator. So it's literally like a test drive. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the reaction actually has very little use for us for the path that we're taking on our fusion research. Uh-huh. Uh, the the value in doing it is is that. Uh, uh, we looked at the uh, publications, we looked at the data that was available, and to us, it was like, we've spent most of our time up until we started the company trying to measure fusion reactions. Uh, so that's been like one of our primary focuses, because we were trying to do what's called compositional analysis. So we were trying to, the idea was, it's like, well, we could do these fusion reactions, and they have, uh, everything's quantized uh, in when you get down to atomic scales. And what that means is, uh, they have very specific energies that come out depending on which reaction you do. And uh, so whenever you do a nuclear reaction, uh, especially in particular a fusion reaction, uh, you usually get very specific what are called gamma rays coming off, uh, depending on which reaction you do. So gamma rays are just really super powerful light waves. And we have special detectors that can measure these gamma rays coming off. And so uh, when we were looking at the tri-alpha reaction, it's like, okay, so we have, uh, we're looking at to see what, uh, you know, how, what the rate of reaction would look like for different energies. And, and we just looked at, just spent a lot of time just looking through the scientific literature, gathered up a bunch of data, and it just became pretty clear to us that it wouldn't be that hard uh, for us to go ahead and measure this. Or at least that was our presumption. We'd never done it before, before we actually did the reaction. It was our first time. Who was, what was that conversation like? Like, and who, who were you talking to? Like, t- take me to that moment when you were saying like, do you want to just try this thing that these jokers have been doing for yeah. 20 years? Well, it was, uh, well, it was pretty much everybody was sitting down at the table on that uh-huh. one. So it was uh, myself, Dr. Alford, Dr. Lee, uh, and we had Terry there too. Mm-hmm. Now Terry's not a nuclear fusion scientist, but he's been around in the laboratory enough. He, he knows the way how we operate. Yeah. Uh, we also uh, spoke with uh, Mark. He runs the ion beam facility where we did the experiment at ASU. And uh, well, we thought it'd be hilarious to get that one as our first one out. So uh, did you guys start laughing then or yeah, like, well, yeah, it was a good time. So it's <laughs> like, uh, but you know, it's, but you, you, know, you gotta be careful about that because you don't know the, uh, what the results are going to be until you do the experiment. Yeah. So uh, it's one of these things where it's like, yeah, that would be pretty funny to get this one done. That's like know. the ultimate scientist hold my beer moment. Like, hold yeah. my beer, I'm going to try this. <laughs> well, we invited Tri Alpha to come out and observe the experiment. And uh, uh, even though they uh, declined, uh, the day before we ran it, uh, one of their people was actually in the laboratory looking at our experimental setup. Oh, so they, they happen to be in Arizona? Yeah, yeah, yeah I happen oh. to be in Arizona. I won't name names, but yeah, one of their people, one of their uh, scientists was in the laboratory looking at the experimental setup. Okay. So, well, we talked to them ahead of time because uh, one of the things that we were talking about was uh, it's like, you know, we could, you know, what we'd like to do is maybe a collaboration. Uh, we had to make certain modifications to this equipment anyway. This is something that could be mutually beneficial to both companies. And uh, we can fully characterize this reaction. We can look at your equipment, and we can help you guys out with your measurement of doing these reactions at your facility. Uh, Trialpha said that they wanted to wait until uh, after we have some experimental results, which is fine by us. But uh, we've had the experimental results since, uh, well, let's see here. It's been a few months. Let me check my watch. But yeah, the, uh, 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 we'll see what happens with that. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. Uh, and I can understand they're not wanting to really talk too much about it because they are a fusion company that's currently not yet doing nuclear fusion. Yeah. 
And uh, so, um, yeah, they're working on the plasmas and all that, but it's uh, one of these things where it's like, again, you know, it's like our first priority is like, all right, well, it's like, you know, we got, we got to get this fusion reaction banged out as fast as we can. Let's do that. Let's start, let's get right to work on, on, on the core of what it is that we're trying to do. So far, so good. Man. So when it was successful, I want to go into that moment too. Like what was, oh, that was exciting. who all was there? Well, tell local, tell uh, me every detail you can remember, you know, oh, yeah. I well, want to know what that felt like. Yeah, that was pretty fantastic. Well, it's because you don't know leading up. And so one of the things that we like to do is invite a lot of people to come down to the laboratory. We were is very nerve wracking. That's because well, if that's, you don't know what's going to happen, I would be it's like part of the excitement. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> like, you know, science is supposed to be exciting. You want to have the thrill of that moment that comes through. So we you don't know the result until you run. Uh, till you run the experiment, but we invited as many people as we knew. You know, we invited several engineering friends, and, and they came down. One actually used to be a professor at ASU. He taught out at Polytech as an engineer. And, uh, uh, but everyone was gathered up. Even the local uh, Fox News station came out for it. Okay. And uh, the uh, camera guy was like, uh, he's like, he's like, yeah. he's like, you sure this is going to work? It's like, I have no idea. <laughs> we'll find out here pretty soon. But... Uh, it, it, it can be a little nerve wracking because it's uh, but you know, you prepare for it as best as you can. We knew what we were looking for mm-hmm. and we had a couple of different ways that we could measure the reaction. And so, uh, you know, we had a plan A, plan B, plan C and plan D. And it's important to have that uh, going into it. And, and you, and when you're fishing around for this stuff, it's kind of fun to hunt for the stuff that's actually a little bit harder to find mm-hmm. uh, and start out with that. And uh, so, uh, cause it's like you, usually the stuff that's harder to find, you're not going to find it. And so it's like, oh, wait, that's not there yet. Yeah. And so then it's like, move on to the next one. It's like, all right, well, let's look for this reaction. Maybe this is the one, you know, that we'll get. And it's like, you're making uh, me repaint my image of scientists as adrenaline junkies somehow. Oh, yeah. Like, well, it totally <laughs> like, is. Let's, let's do the hard one first. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's more fun that way. Yeah. But also, if you pick up on the hard one, yeah. then it's like, then well, it's it's, we got it. it. It's nailed. Yeah. And that's basically it. And actually, uh, we went through uh, three different reactions before we found one where we actually got a good peak coming off. And after that, we validate, we look at some of the other reactions that are occurring there at the same time. But yeah, it was definitely thrilling when that happened. So it's a, you have this, comp- this you know, flat computer screen sitting in front of you and you're looking at, you know, you're looking at things that are happening on the atomic level. And uh, it's just this little 2D graph and you're looking for these spikes that are popping up. And, you know, it's like if you get a little hump, you know, this little tiny like hill like it's coming out of the data, you're like, oh, we're that, that's awesome. Yeah, is that it? And and, uh, uh, you know, it, sometimes it's background <laughs> radiation. Sometimes it's actually what you're looking for. Yeah. And so and how do you, do you just, you have to the... account for everything. Yeah. So like background radiation, that's again, that's another problem with doing these fusion reaction measurements. So it's when you go in to measure fusion, it's so clean that just having too many people in the room actually interferes with the measurement. Jeez. So, uh, like in our bodies, we have uh, potassium 40, mm-hmm. uh, we have carbon 14. And these are decaying inside our body and they emit gamma radiation, which is what you get from these fusion reactions. Yeah. So this gamma radiation will come off. So like potassium 40, I think it's a 14, 1,460 KeV gamma ray. And that's usually right in the middle of where we're trying to measure. And so if we have too many people inside the room, we'll actually want to ask people to leave uh, because it will interfere with us trying to get the fusion measurements that are coming off. Wow. Did you have to do that? Uh, we weren't sure if we were going to have to do it or not. We were kind of well separated from that peak this time around. If I remember correctly, we were measuring a, uh, a 716 KEV peak. And, uh, Is that a different, that's not a reaction that would, or a radiation that would come off of a human being? 
not to well, you're going to get a little bit, but uh, not very much. Not it's, enough to not enough to, to interfere. So yeah, it's like it's you have like this graph where you have energy on on the bottom of the graph, and you know so the the further you go to the right, the higher the energy is, and then you have what are the number of counts that are on the y-axis. And so the more accounts that you get underneath this one energy range, each one corresponds to a different reaction. So the potassium 40 that's decaying inside your body at, at around 1,460 keV on this graph, you're gonna see a spike. And you see it every time that you fire this sign up. That's cool. Yeah, and there's, and there's all kinds of things that influence it. So like we have to build radiation shields for all these experiments. Of course. And so the radiation shields are not to protect us from the experiment. Uh, uh, the experiment has, uh, the fusion has such low levels of radiation. We use the radiation shields to protect the experiment from us. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's, uh, well, that's again, it's like, that's what's great about nuclear fusion. If you have nuclear fusion uh, for commercial power production, it's so clean. The fuel is so abundant and fundamentally alters everything. You have such an abundance of energy available to you. Uh, most of the fuel would come directly from seawater. Uh, we will, uh, the, the earth will be engulfed by the sun long before we'd ever run out of fuel. Mm -hmm. And so it's one of these things that alters everybody. If you, any time that we've seen in history where we have a, a new discovery about energy, it's improved the quality of life for everyone in the world. And each well, let's, let's save this for another podcast. Cause okay. I, I know you could rant about this. I know this is great <laughs> <Rant>. content. <laughs> no, I say that as a term of endearment. Oh, I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I really do. But like after it happened, did you guys like open a bottle of champagne and spray it around like NASCAR? Like, well, it, it, that, that would probably kill you because there's high voltage in that laboratory. So we, not too much with it with, with making it rain with champagne, but uh, we did go out and have beers afterwards. That's it awesome. was definitely a moment to celebrate. Well, because it was a moment of celebration because it's the first time we got a verified measurement as a company, and so that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And it also it uh, verified that the modifications that we made to ASU's proton beam line were also successful. Yeah. So that was really exciting too. And, you know, beating Tri-Alpha to their own reaction, that's the namesake of their company, was definitely awesome. Yeah. That is so rad, man. Like, I can only imagine just, like, what that felt like there. And, like, yeah, that must have been, been super rad. Um, any other thoughts? Well, uh, oh, I got a million of them. For this, not so much. Maybe, for this but, topic, though, because we're going to do multiple. Right. And, you know, it's a... Uh, I think we've pretty much got it all. So I think we hit the nail on the head on it. Did you have any questions? Um, no, I think you answered most of them. Um, but I'm probably going to oh, I do have one. Of them. Yeah, 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 one second. He is walking out right now back into the computer room. Right now we're actually in the kind of the warehousey garage type area of the lab, which takes up the bulk of the square footage. Okay. Okay. So he's got an e a plastic pink or purple somewhere in between easter egg right now that's right so you really shouldn't talk about the tri-alpha reaction without talking about what's inside this container so this is uh inside here this is silly putty so they only had pink available at uh, Target, but uh it, it'll do the job just fine mm -hmm. so the thing this is you know we were talking a little bit before about um you know the fuel being common yeah uh, so inside this piece of silly putty here and i'm sure you play with this stuff yeah, of when course you were a kid as a fidgeter, like all of us. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, the original fidget tool, Silly Putty. <laughs> so the uh, interesting thing about Silly Putty, what makes Silly Putty Silly Putty is boron. 
Mm-hmm. And so boron is at the heart of the fuel for these tri-alpha reactions. And so just to put into perspective how much energy is, is in these tri-alpha reactions, this is an ounce of silly putty. Mm-hmm. Uh, an ounce of silly putty typically costs about 99 cents. If you were to react uh, all the boron in that silly putty and harvest all that energy, that's about the equivalent of what an average American household uses in 10 years. And that's Holy pretty shit. extraordinary, right? So there's a tremendous amount of energy in it. The problem is, is that it's really hard to get this reaction to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not a big fan of trying to move on into the fancy fusion before we even get the regular stuff done first. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, uh, but at the same time too, it's like you can appreciate why companies like Tri-Alpha Energy are going after the boron uh, uh, hydrogen tri-alpha reaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is super energy dense, but there's other reactions that are just as energy dense. Seawater works too. Yeah, seawater works awesome. Yeah, and that's free. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. sure. I don't think you have to pay for that. So, but you know, it's a and you, you have other stuff too, like borax. You know, you have 20 mule team borax at every mm-hmm. grocery store that's out there. The amount of fuel inside one of those boxes of borax, I think, it works out enough energy to power a small village for like 10 years. Yeah, it's, you know, it's an insane amount of energy. But that's what kind of what makes this like sexy though, is it's like, hey, silly putty can power your house for 10 years. Yeah. Like that that catches people's attention. That's why Trialpha's chasing it, and that's. It's oh, just yeah. funny that we succeeded at it, or we, long before I got on, you and your team obviously succeeded right. at it. Well, you know, it's, it's uh, well, yeah, it worked out really good. Yeah, you're, you're, you're new. You came after last year. <laughs> yeah, <session>. this isn't you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Psh, nah. Oh, you're part of the team now, so okay. welcome to the family. Thank you. But, yeah, it's a, but, yeah, that's, that's definitely a big part of the attraction to it. It's super common. You know, and this is only 4% boron. Hmm. So, you know, there's not even that much boron in this. Yeah. You know, but, and yet you still have 10 years worth of energy in one ounce of this silly putty. That's rad. Yeah, it is rad. Man. Well, I think that uh, concludes our first episode and uh, looking forward to hearing from you again. All right. Sounds good, Brandon. Awesome. Well, there you have it, folks. Try Alpha Energy. Um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please make sure to check out our Twitter, our Instagram, LinkedIn page, all of it. I'm uh, going to be posting this on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, just look up Future of Fusion and you'll be sure to find us. And we hope to uh, have you tune in next time. Thank you so much.